0: You have your Bibles. I'm going to pull myself together. I hope. Lord, please pull me together unless you want me to stay like this and I'll just cry my way through this sermon and that's okay. But turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 8. It is very obvious. It is very obvious that we live in a day and in a time and in an age and in a culture Where the gospel has become very self-centered, self-serving, even at times self-indulging. It's a message that man has made up that suits man. And I want us to see today that it is not the gospel that Jesus preached that is self-centered. It is not the gospel that the apostles preach, that the early church leaders preach. It's not the gospel that we at Key Life Fellowship preach and believe. We're going to see today that there was a time where Jesus canceled the self-centered gospel. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The day that Jesus canceled the self-centered gospel. We know that Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that this gospel is the gospel of God. It is the gospel that brings men, sinners, unto God for redemption. It is the gospel that changes their life for the glory of God. It is the gospel that allows God to have man restored unto their, until their original intent, and that is to fellowship intimately in worship with Him. It is the gospel of God. And as we look at this glorious gospel today from the words of Jesus Christ, I want to remind you of something that John MacArthur said. He said this, he said, Many people want a no-cost discipleship. But Christ offers no such option. He offers no such option. And we're going to see that today, that a no-cost discipleship is not discipleship at all. Many people think that the gospel is for them. that's half true. That's half true. But I want you to understand this. A half truth is always a whole lie. It is always a whole lie. Though you benefit from the gospel forgiveness of sin and eternal life, and all the things that we are blessed with by His grace, I assure you of this one thing. It is the gospel of God. It will always be the gospel of God. And it is for His glory alone. So as we look at Jesus' words, I think it appropriate that we go to the Gospel. And to see, what did Jesus say in preaching the Gospel? The good news, the euangelion in the Greek, if you would. That glorious message of hope. How did Jesus preach this message? Mark chapter 8, we're going to read through this text. And then we will, as we always do, break it down verse by verse, segment by segment. Verse 8, prior to where we will start today, or chapter 8, excuse me, prior to verse 34 where we will start today, we see that Peter, just after he confesses that Christ is the Son of the Living God, as we looked at last week, and the greatest question ever, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Of course, we looked last week at another account of the same story. But I want you to see the details how they play out here in in verse 31, right after that. It says that Jesus began to teach. He began to teach them that the Son of Man had to suffer many things and to be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he had to be killed. But he made them a promise that after three days he would rise again. And immediately Peter in his self, his selfishness, his pride, and in his flesh. Attempted to rebuke the Lord. I would encourage you not to do that. If you ever feel led to rebuke the Lord, let me tell you, just go ahead and stop. It's not going to work well for you. In fact, it didn't work well for Peter. Peter, who was just on the mountaintop for getting the answer right, rebukes Jesus and what Jesus said had to happen to accomplish the will of God. Peter says, no, you're not doing that. And he rebuked Jesus and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Man, can you imagine what happened to Peter? Boy, self just deflated, didn't it? And Jesus goes on to say this in verse 34 of that same chapter. If you follow along, just as it is written. It says in verse 34, Then He called the crowd to Him along with His disciples. He called everybody else. He said, I want everyone to hear this. Not just those closest to me, not just my followers. I want everyone to hear this. And He said... If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Verse 36, he says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world? All of the successes of the world, all of the money of the world, all of the fortune and all of the fame. He said, what good is it? He gains it all, yet forfeit his soul. But what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What's the price? How much can you be bought out for? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, pay attention to what the Lord said here. The Son of Man. He grabs... That Old Testament term that we will see later in Daniel that makes so much sense in this instance. The Son of Man will be ashamed of Him when He comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. I want us to look at this text today and I want us to break it down so that we can see that Jesus' gospel was a gospel that includes evidence of true faith. It includes evidence of true faith. Let me just make this clear so that everyone will know this before we get started. Jesus is not saying that if you do these things, you will be saved. He's saying this: if you are saved, you will do these things. This will be a part of the life of every true believer. Everyone who has truly trusted by faith in Jesus Christ. And he starts with this. Uh, one of the things that we don't even like to hear, especially in today's modern church here in, in the good old U.S. of A., He says the first element of the true gospel as he preaches this, that the true recipient of the gospel will have a life, a life of faith that is evidenced by, number one, you're taking notes, self-denial. He goes on to say, number two, it will also be a life of suffering. Number three, a life of service. Number four, a life of sacrifice. Number five, a life of submission. And we'll close this morning. With the promise of salvation for those who are truly saved through the true, true gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's look at self-denial as we begin this journey. The first part of chapter 8, verse 34, he says this, Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples, and he said, If anyone, put your name in there, if Kirk would come after Jesus, he must, he must, If I am truly a follower of Jesus, I must. He's going to speak three imperatives in a row. And let me just tell you this. The imperative mood in the Greek is something that you need to pay attention to, especially when Jesus is speaking it. He is saying, I am commanding my followers to hear this. This is not optional. This is not something you can decide to do or or maybe not decide to do it. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must first, he says, first imperative, deny himself. Deny himself. Because true faith is this. True faith is denial of self. And it's denial of self in repentance in two forms. Number one, you repent of yourself and your rights and your own lordship over your life. You repent of your control that you once had and you surrender to the sovereign control of God. It is repenting and denying of yourself and turning to faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone as your only hope. Oh, remember before you were a believer, you thought you had things figured out only to encounter Jesus and to realize you had nothing figured out. That you were lost and you were sinful and you were undone and you needed Him as your Savior more than you need the air that you breathe in your lungs in this very moment. We see He, Jesus, preached a gospel of self-denial that starts with self-repentance, turning from you and your kingdom, your goals and your dreams and your desires, and turning to Him and to His will for your life, and to His kingdom and His reign ruling over you and through you as you live your life unto Him. So it is self-repentance. Repenting of the personal things. But it is also not only a denial of self, it is a denial of sin. Repentance is when we turn from the wickedness in the direction that we once walked in. It is coming to the conclusion through the power of the Holy Spirit that you are walking on that wide road that leads to destruction. And under the power of God, He shows you that you must turn and repent. And that word repent means this. To have a change of mind. And let me tell you this. You didn't change your mind on your own. He changes your mind. He shows you this is the way that you are going. And this is the road of destruction. And this is the way that I desire that you go. Repentance happens in the life of a true believer. He repents of himself. And denies that self. He repents of his sin. Or her sin. And denies. Holding on to that sin is a gospel of self-denial. Jesus preached this consistently in his ministry here on the earth. We see it in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 as Jesus began to preach the beginning of Mark's gospel. It says this, the time has come, he said, referencing the Lord. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news repent and believe the gospel this is a gospel of repentance let me say this to you you cannot truly trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you cannot truly claim that if you are still holding on to your old self and you are still holding on to your old sin you cannot do that and claim to be walking in the same gospel that Jesus is proclaiming here I don't know about you, but when I want to find out the truth, I go to Christ. If I want to find out the truth of what is the true gospel, I see this. Jesus preached a gospel of self-denial. To deny your selfish habits, your selfish leanings, your sin, your sinful nature. To turn from that completely and to turn to the Lord as your only hope. It is a gospel of self-denial. It is a gospel, not only that Jesus preached concerning self-denial, it is a gospel that Paul confirms in his ministry. In Acts 20, verse 21, it says, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Paul preached a gospel of repentance and faith. They are, if you would, opposite sides of the same coin. It's sad that we live in a society where all the time we hear of people who desire faith. They do not desire repentance. Can I tell you this? You will not desire repentance until God changes your heart. And when He changes your heart, He makes you His own. And a true believer will follow the gospel of repentance. It is self-denial. It is not up for discussion. Why? Because any discussion that could have came about, we just closed it down with the words of Jesus. If anyone shall come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Any gospel that holds to a holding on of oneself and holding on to one's sin while claiming to still be holding on to Christ, is a false gospel and it is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Period. End of discussion. If you don't believe me, read what we just read. It came from the Lord's mouth. He said we must deny ourselves. Why? Because wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life, and few will find it. Why do few find it? Because few deny themselves. We see that the gospel that Jesus preached is a gospel of self-denial. Secondly, I want you to see this from this text. We go to the second imperative that the Lord laid out here for us. He tells us that if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. And here's the next imperative. Take up His cross. Oh, the American church hates this next point. But please listen to me. I didn't make these things up. Notice we are not reading from the Gospel of Kirk Hall about what Kirk Hall thinks. We are reading from the Gospel of Mark who is giving an accurate, inerrant, infallible account of what Jesus Christ preached while He was here in the flesh. And he says this, he says in the next imperative that the true gospel is a gospel of suffering. Taking up your cross. What what does that mean? What would Jesus use that term? Directly following, telling his followers that he was going to die on a cross. It was in their day the most brutal form of agony and suffering. When he said the word cross, they identified with it. Just as you would identify in your time with the electric chair or the lethal injection. You would identify that as an instrument of death. And he tells his disciples, if you are truly my follower, you must deny yourself in repentance and turn to God in repentance and turn to faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. And then you also must be willing to suffer. To take up your cross. Take up your cross, willing to suffer in agony in the midst of trials, tribulations in this earth. Can, can I help each of you this morning? Did you know this, contrary to our charismatics, friends, false doctrine, God does not promise believers a peachy life here on this earth? In fact, Jesus Himself said in this life will be all kinds of struggle. All kinds of trial. Here Jesus, reiterating the truth of the Gospel, says that the Gospel is a Gospel of suffering. One who truly knows Jesus Christ will be willing to take up their cross in suffering. The Apostle Paul, as recorded in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, in the same Sermon that we saw in verse 21 a moment ago. He says this. And now, compelled by the Spirit, verse 22, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Could it be death? Could it be suffering? Could it be pain? He didn't know. He was trusting in a sovereign God. He says in verse 23, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. He said everywhere I go. It didn't sound like Paul was living his best life now, did it? It sounded like Paul knew everywhere that he went, he was going to face some type of suffering and potentially death. He said, I don't know what's going to happen. But I love his attitude. Why? It's the attitude of Christ. He says in verse 24, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Can we just pause for a moment in modern Christianity and say, where is that heart? Where is that attitude in so-called Christians? Where is that attitude in my life at times? Where is it? However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the Gospel of God's grace. You know what was most important to the Apostle Paul? The Gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was willing to suffer and history proves also willing to die as he was beheaded on the Austrian Way west of Rome somewhere around circa 67 A.D. There he was beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ everywhere he went. He said, the next town that I go into might be my last. But I don't think about me. I don't think about my life. I think about the proclamation of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The proclaiming of God's grace. He wasn't afraid to suffer. Why? Because he knew that the Lord had mandated suffering. That's what an imperative is. It's a command. It's a mandate. The willingness to take up your cross and suffer. Even a willingness to die for the cause and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to say this to you and I want to make it as clear as I can this morning. Any gospel that removes suffering, to any degree, any gospel that erases or removes suffering is not the gospel that Jesus preached. It is a false gospel. It is heresy. And many people have bought into this lie that if you just pray and ask Jesus into your heart, you're going to have a great life. That is a lie hatched straight from the pits of hell. You surrender your life to Jesus, you are going to have to to take a stand where others will not take a stand. It may cause you to suffer, and if things continue to escalate the way that they're going, even in this country, it may cause you to be arrested and persecuted publicly, and even martyred for your faith in Jesus Christ. It is a gospel of suffering. To remove that suffering is to change the Gospel, and to change the Gospel is to erase the words of Christ, and to erase the words of Christ is to commit blasphemy against God. It is a Gospel of self-denial. It is a Gospel of suffering. We read on. It is also a Gospel of service to our Lord. He says, if anyone will come after Me, he must deny himself. Imperative one, and take up his cross. Imperative two, suffering, self-denial. Imperative three, he says, and follow me. I told you that all three of these instances are in the imperative mood in the Greek, which means they are mandates. But this one is a little different. It is also in the present tense, imperative mood. Which means this, that no matter when you see this, it is a continual thing. Meaning this, Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, he must follow me continually. He is preaching and teaching the doctrine of persevering faith. That's for all of you people who thought Jesus was a good idea until times got tough. And then you turned your back on Christ. I say this to you, you never had Christ. For they went out of us because, from us because they were not of us. But a true believer who hears the true gospel will have a heart to serve. A heart to persevere in the faith no matter how tough times become. No matter how much persecution you face. No matter the death that awaits you in the towns where you go to present the gospel. You will continue to serve the Lord. He said that they will follow Me. We could spend the rest of the day talking about that one simple statement. The continual following of Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself taught parables in regard to this. And He taught the exact same thing that I proclaimed to you a moment ago. That only those who bore fruit were true believers. As He taught on the parable of the soil, the seed was cast all over different areas. But only those who fell upon fertile soil grew into fruit-bearing trees. What does your service to the Lord look like in your life? Are you following Christ's instructions consistently? Oh, He said you will continue to follow Me. Not not when it's convenient to you. There will be an obvious following in your life. There will be a consistent following of His instructions. Matthew chapter 22. Again, the Lord says this, not I. Verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes on and he says in verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Ask yourself this. Am I following the Lord's commands? I'm thankful that he simplified it for a guy like me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's service unto God. Let me tell you this. Please listen to me. The songs we sang a moment ago, they were adoration and they were worshiped to a degree. True worship is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. If you leave here singing songs about Jesus and you don't leave here serving him, do not say that you came to worship today. Because it's about service. Jesus makes that very clear as a continual following of the instructions that he has given the love the Lord our God, with everything that we have, every fiber of our being, to love our neighbor as ourselves. You see, that service confirms true faith. As Jesus said, follow me. It is a continual following. Following Christ's instructions, but it's also following Christ's example. It's following His instructions consistently, but it's also following His example consistently you ought to ask yourself that question in examining your life. Does my life look like that of Christ? Why? Because He is our example. And if your life doesn't look like Christ, don't do what the liberals do. and say, well, nobody's perfect. He is. And He's called you to perfection in Him. And so to accept anything less than that, is to not have your bar raised high enough. Will you ever obtain perfection on this earth? No, because your flesh wages war against you. But should we as Christians seek to be holy and obedient in every single area of our life? And should it bother us to our core when we're not? You bet. In fact, I find it hard to believe that someone can claim Christ based upon these words not follow His example consistently. To not see the things in your life that don't look like Christ and to to cry out to God for mercy. Lord, remove these things from my life that don't look like Christ. I use this illustration in defining that. It's helped me so many times in my life. Many of you have visited Mount Rushmore. I have never visited there. One time, a visitor asked a tour guide, he said, how did y'all carve... All of those presidents name, I mean faces, in this rock. And the tour guide says, that's easy. We didn't carve those guys' faces into the rock. We took dynamite and we blew everything off of that rock that did not look like those president's' faces. As Christians, that's what we ought to be seeing in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Him removing everything in our life that does not look like our example, the Lord Jesus Christ. We will serve Him. Knowing that He is our example of service. Philippians chapter 2. What does Paul say here in verse 5? He says this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be held onto. He had a job to accomplish. But what he did, he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. Listen to me. Church. If our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, laid down His life in service to God and for God the Father's glory, we should do the same. In fact, from this text here, Jesus is commanding us with an imperative to do the same. Serve Him, follow Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength as you are loving everyone else the same way that Jesus loved them and showed His sacrificial love to them. It is a gospel of sacrifice, and of service, suffering, and self-denial. So we go to sacrifice here. Sacrifice. Just as we look at sacrifice, we've looked at service and suffering and self-denial. Let me remind you, as I have on the other points, if by chance you think that you can have a true gospel without service to the Lord, you too, ma'am, you too, sir, have bought into a false gospel. It is a lie. You need to pray that God opens your eyes to the truth today. We move to sacrifice in verse 35. Verse 35 says this, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What a paradox. You want to keep it? Lose it. You want it? Die. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, he says the Son of Man, be ashamed of him. We'll talk more about that in a moment. When we look at sacrifice here. Sacrifice, what does it mean? What does it mean to lose your life? Well, let's not complicate that here. It's very very elementary, isn't it? This paradox is so elementary that most of the time we confuse ourselves with the simplicity of it. He's saying this. Hold on to your life, your sin, your desires, your human success, your dreams, your goals. Hold on to those things and you'll lose your soul. Release those things and sacrifice those things just as Christ laid down His life for you, Lay down your life For Him. And in doing so, you'll find true life. In doing so, you'll find true life. It's the Gospel in everything that Jesus preached. It is sacrificing your life for Christ. Just as He sacrificed His life for you. Mark, in the same Gospel in chapter 10, verse 32, the Lord says this, excuse me, 29 he says i tell you the truth the truth when you see jesus say i tell you the truth pay attention to that i tell you the truth jesus replied no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes brothers sisters mothers children and fields and with them persecution." What an honor it is to suffer for the Lord. He said, you're going to have all of these things. I'm going to give you a new family. That family will be the church. You will have those things in abundance. you also have persecutions. And I can't think of a greater thing than to suffer persecution for the one who was persecuted to death for me. And he said, in the age to come, eternal life. He's saying that the Lord sees that you have sacrificed these things. They have not gone unnoticed. In fact, He's called you to sacrifice everything for Him. He says, I'm going to take care of you. I'll bless you in this lifetime in ways you can't imagine. But I'm also going to bless you with eternal life because of the sacrifices that you have made through faith in Me. Just as Jesus sacrificed Himself to redeem you. You're a model of that sacrifice and laying your life down for my glory as well. He says in verse 31, but many who are first will be what? Last. And the last, first. All of you in this lifetime who are spending all of your money, time, and effort to try to get ahead, let me just tell you this. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to make it free and I'm going to make it quick. You're wasting your entire life. What profits a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul. The true gospel is a gospel of sacrifice, sacrificing your life for Christ, sacrificing this world for eternal life. Oh, the true believers will do that, I assure you, Jesus again is not preaching work salvation here, it's contrary to everything that he preached, he can't be. But he is preaching a salvation that works, he is saying your true faith. Upon hearing the true gospel will lead you to true sacrifice for the glory of God. You see, his gospel was a gospel of self-denial, suffering, service, and sacrifice. John Calvin said it like this. He said, I gave up all for Christ. And what have I found? Everything in Christ. I've given up all for Christ and what have I found? The world would say you're crazy to give up everything for Christ. He says, but in Christ, everything is found. How many of you here today as believers are thankful that though you've given up much for Christ, you have found everything in Christ. I'll say this to you, any gospel that dare remove self-sacrifice is not the gospel that Jesus preached. It's another gospel. It's a false gospel. Again, it is heresy. We are reading word for word the gospel that Jesus Christ preached. It is a gospel of self-denial, suffering, service, sacrifice. And then we see this, it is a gospel of submission. A gospel of submission. Verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. We're going to talk about when that occurs in a moment. But he's making this very clear. That if you are ashamed to submit to Jesus Christ in this lifetime, you are ashamed to proclaim His gospel. You are ashamed to proclaim His glorious salvation, His grace, His mercy, His cross, His suffering, the fact that He is Lord of all and King of kings. If you are ashamed of that to anyone and anyone who is ashamed, What does the Lord say? Not Kirk. He said, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. Submission to Christ is a part of the Gospel. It is not you coming down the aisle praying a prayer and asking Jesus into your heart and living any way that you want to live thinking that you're okay. That is not the gospel that Jesus preached. He says the gospel that I am preaching is a gospel that submits to the authority of God for the rest of your days and for all eternity. You will not be ashamed of Jesus Christ and His gospel. In fact, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Well, I don't share my faith because I don't want to offend people. you don't share your faith because you're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't share your faith because you have a hollow claim to Jesus. That's not an authentic claim at all. Because if you're truly born again, you will submit to Him. Even in the midst of the flame, you will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, but I don't want to offend my neighbor. Oh, but you really don't care if your neighbor spends an eternity in hell. How can it be you really don't care that your neighbor doesn't hear about the glorious grace and the glorious power of your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't say these things to guilt you. I say these things to wake you up this morning. How can it be that you live your life in contradiction to Jesus Christ when He said... Don't be ashamed of me. Proclaim the gospel. Submit your life to the gospel. That's what we see everyone of the faith doing. Why are we excused in 2021? We're not. We've been lulled asleep by the lies of the enemy into believing a false gospel that is no biblical gospel at all. Oh, but preacher, I believe that Jesus can be Savior And then later, be Lord. Absolutely, positively false. Absolutely, positively false. The problem with that doctrine is people will just settle for a Savior. And they will never have a Lord. And Jesus Christ is both Savior and Lord. If He is just Savior, again, half-truth. But He is Savior and He is Lord. When Thomas encountered Jesus after the cross, and he put his hands in his nail scores, and he put his hand in his side, Thomas knew it was Christ. And what did he say? My Lord and my God. Jesus can't just be this fluffy fairy tale that gets you to heaven. removes His deity. That removes His authority. We see He preached the Gospel of submission to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That will be accompanied with an unashamed allegiance. An unashamed allegiance. Guess what? You might lose family members because they won't talk to you. You will lose friends. You could face persecution. You could face suffering. And you could lose your life. Those who paved the way for us to sit in these nice, comfortable, air-conditioning buildings all suffered those things for us. It's time we long for it. It's time we long for it. That they may see Christ and see Him to the full. To see the full measure of the Gospel. It is a Gospel of submission to Jesus Christ no matter what. Why? Because He said, Whoever acknowledges Me before men, I will acknowledge him before My Father in Heaven. Matthew chapter 10. But whoever disowns Me before men, I will disown Him before My Father in Heaven. Oh, you think about that next time. You don't want to offend someone with the Gospel. You would rather offend the Lord than to offend the sinner. And herein lies the problem. We must, as the church of Jesus Christ, stand up and say we are no longer going to offend God by our behavior and by our lives. We would much rather preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and live in obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ and submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior. We would much rather do that than to offend the God who sent His only begotten Son to this earth to die for us and to trample His name and to trample His blood. The gospel of submission, it always has been and it always will be. God still requires obedience. Did you know that? And you couldn't do it. And so He did it for you by sending His Son to this earth to die in your place so that His righteousness could be accredited to your account. Then He filled you with His Holy Spirit. Why? So that you could actively walk in obedience now for the first time in your natural born life. Thanks be unto God for what Jesus Christ has done for us. We see it as a gospel of submission. Submission. to Christ as Lord and Savior. Unashamed allegiance to Him in all cases. And submitting to His Word. Submitting to His Word. He says, if you're ashamed of me and my words. Well, I believe the Bible is a truth. But it's not necessarily the truth. He said, if you're ashamed of me and my what? Words. I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. Him and His words. What does it say? In His Word? Or well, whatever it says. It says it that way we may know. And it says it that we may know as believers so that we may live in accordance with the truth of His Word. True faith. Submission. Submission to Christ as Lord and Savior. And submission to His Holy Word. It is unashamed obedience. It is what Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 7 when He said, not everyone who says Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. A true believer has been transformed through regeneration, through the rebirth, through faith in Jesus Christ, through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. He has been transformed so that he or she can be obedient to the commands of God. To think that that is optional and that we don't have to submit to the commands of God, is to err and to not believe the true Gospel. Please understand this. Jesus Christ died to save you, yes, so that you could be forgiven of sin, and yes, so that you can have eternal life. But let's not forget this. So that you could be raised up a holy and obedient people in this lifetime to bring glory to God on this earth. There must be submission in the true Gospel. It must be preached. Luke 6.46 The Lord Jesus said this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? What a heartbreaking statement. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not what I say? That question is still applicable today right now in our time. Why do you call Him Lord, Lord and do not what He says? I would say this to you. It would be better for you to not call Him Lord, Lord than to call Him Lord, Lord, and not do what He says. Because in calling Him Lord, Lord, and then doing whatever in the world that you want to do, is to cause others to believe that they too can buy into a cheap, non-biblical, heresy kind of gospel. That is not the gospel of Jesus at all. Any gospel that removes surrender and submission to Jesus and to His Word, is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know what people say. Well, Pastor, are you upset about something? You sure are fired up this morning. I'm concerned about your very soul, because there be there will be many on the day of judgment, and we're about to see here at the end of this. There will be a day of judgment. There will be many on the day of judgment. Just as Jesus said, he said, Lord, Lord, no, you can't enter in because you didn't do the will of my Father. But didn't we do all these things? Yeah, but you didn't do them from a perspective of a changed heart and a changed life. Depart from me. He will say, I never knew you. My desire is this, that no one who ever sits under the sound of my voice will hear those dreadful words. Depart from me, I never knew you, without me giving them the glorious gospel that will save them from never hearing those words. It's about submission. And then ultimately, the Gospel. As Jesus concludes His discourse here for us today. He says, If anyone is ashamed of Me and My words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when He comes in His Father's glory with the Holy angels." He borrows a reference from Daniel. He's allowed to do that because he wrote Daniel 2. But he borrows a reference from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, about the end. When the Lord will return with His holy angels, and He will set the record straight, He will redeem saved man for all eternity, and He will redeem the earth as a whole. He borrows this to let those who are unashamed know this, that you can be saved. From coming judgment. The word salvation here is a word that means to be delivered. Or it is a word that means deliverance. And so we see this, that there is a coming judgment. That's what Jesus was talking about. When the Son of Man comes, let me make this very clear to each of you. There will be no do-overs. There will be no reset button that you can hit. There won't be, for the golfers here, what's that thing you have? A mulligan. No, when He comes with His angels on the great and dreadful day of the Lord, there will be judgment for all who have not by faith and faith alone trusted in the glorious Gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God to save. Those who have not trusted in the only name under heaven whereby men must be saved, the name of Jesus Christ on that day those of you who have been unashamed because your faith is authentic, you will receive salvation and deliverance from the coming wrath and judgment of God. But those of you who have not, you will face the wrath of God. You will face the wrath of God and the judgment of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 says this, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. He's talking about those who are persecuting the church. And give relief to those, and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. He says, There's going to be relief. When will it happen, Lord? When will it happen? We're not persecuted at every turn and we're not martyred for our faith. We're not made fun of, laughed at, and thought to be barbaric and out of date. When will this happen? He says this, this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven and blazing fire with this powerful angel. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. On the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, he says to the church, because you believed our testimony to you. You know what their testimony was? The same gospel that we see Jesus Christ preach here in Mark chapter 8. That there is salvation for those who believe and who repent and trust in Jesus Christ and there is no salvation in any other name or any other way. It is in Jesus that we have salvation, deliverance from coming judgment. It is in Jesus that we have salvation from the coming and eternal damnation that we just read about there in the second Thessalonian letter it is Jesus who is our only hope to escape the wrath of God the judgment and the eternal punishment because of sin you say well preacher that seems quite old fashioned yes it is I borrowed it from the lover of my soul I borrowed it from the lover of my soul who through the power of His Spirit led a man named Mark to write it down just as we have read it this morning. It is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am thankful. I am thankful, and you ought to be as well, that God loves you enough that He's not going to let you hear some watered down, man-made, self-centered, self-oriented gospel. That He loves you enough to tell you the truth, that the true gospel according to Jesus is a gospel of self-denial, of suffering, of service, of sacrifice. Of submission. It is the only true gospel that leads to salvation. On this day 2,000 years ago, Jesus canceled the self-centered gospel. And I think it would be high time that we as the American church cancel the self-centered gospel along with Him. That we cancel it along with Him. That we declare nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. It is Christ. And it is Christ alone. It is His way. It is His Word. It is His salvation. It is for the glory of God. It is not about you. You reap the benefits of Him bringing glory to God the Father. And oh, what glorious blessings they are. Have you believed the true Gospel? Have you believed the true Gospel evidenced in your life by these six points today? you have that confidence? Or did you fall under the lies of some slick talking preacher who just wanted more decisions so that he could brag to his friends? Did you fall into the easy believism that many of us have seen? The ABC's of Christianity. Except believe and confess, nothing about repentance, nothing about faith, nothing about counting the cost, nothing about sacrifice or suffering or the lordship of Jesus Christ and surrendering to Him in full submission. Nothing about those things. Only easy believism. If you want to go to heaven, let me tell you something. If I never enter into the gates of heaven, well, I assure you, I will because I have a promise from God. But if I never Enter in and to the gates of heaven. His grace has already blessed me beyond anything that I could ever imagine. Heaven is not my reward. Christ Jesus Himself is my reward. What say you? What say you this morning? Are you satisfied with a self-centered gospel that leads people to hell? Or will today be the day that You surrender to the true Gospel that Jesus Himself just preached for us in Mark chapter 8. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it is in the preaching of the Gospel that Your power is unleashed upon the ears and the hearts of men. I pray today that people in our midst not only hear this message with their ears, but today that You pierce their wicked hearts. That by Your regenerating power through Your Spirit, You raise the dead to life today. That You open the eyes of the blind. That You save the sinner and You make them a saint. For Your glory and for Your praise alone. We ask that You move mightily. Holy Spirit, do what only You are able to do. Mold and make men and women into who You, Lord Jesus, died for them to be. And we'll give You all the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.